Welcome to Musings of a Super Doer with host Christina Kendall. Over the next hour, you will learn what keeps Christina and her guests busy with all their day-to-day life tasks. Now, here's Christina. Hello there. Welcome to Musings of a Super Doer. I'm your host and resident super doer, Chris Kendall. I'm so glad you're joining us today. Um, So in this episode and all of our episodes, I'm going to share just random musings about what's going on in my world and maybe some things that you can relate to in your world too. So today we're going to talk about all-inclusive resorts. Um, I'm going to share a story about when my son was little and didn't want to go to school and how we handled that. And then I'm going to spend a little time talking about some pet injuries and pet insurance randomly. Um, And then if we have time, I'll share some musings about a few other things I'm doing at the moment. Okay, so let's just jump in and get started. Um, So recently, I might have talked about a trip I was going on um, with my mother's group friends. We went to Cabo San Lucas in Mexico, and we stayed at an all-inclusive resort called the Marquis. It's right on the ocean, and I think it. I think the beach was called Sunrise Beach, and then like down the the way a little bit, there was a Sunset Beach. But I believe ours was Sunrise Beach. Um, anyway, so we were there in the at the end of February. And apparently that is whale birthing season. We had no idea. So from our hotel room and from the pool and pretty much the restaurants everywhere that we were for our entire stay, we could see whales playing right outside of, you know, where we were sitting and in the water, jumping around. There were babies that were following the moms and, you know, jumping and blowing and it was so cute. So anyways, um, it was a beautiful time to be there, but specifically about all-inclusive resorts. So if you haven't stayed in one, it's really, uh, it's an amazing, (laughs) it's amazing. Okay. So I have stayed in a couple over the years. Um, we did one in Cancun like 15 years ago, a long, long time ago. And then, um, obviously if you've ever taken a cruise, you know, those tend to be all inclusive, especially if you buy the drink package where pretty much all your meals and your drinks are, um, included. So you don't have to pay each time. Um, so the really nice thing about it is, you know, upfront what you're spending, right? You're going to, you're going to pay for this, um, preset amount and you don't have to worry about, you don't have to do any calculating who's, who's ordering, you know, extra the steak or the pasta or the seafood, whatever, just, you have anything you want. And, um, especially if you like to, imbibe in um the alcoholic uh drinks while you're on vacation um those can add up right um so a friend of mine was saying she was on a cruise recently she bought the drink package for like four hundred dollars for their you know x number of days cruise and her guests that were with her, her her friends did not buy it and their drinks were like 24 dollars a piece and the paid drinks come in these little tiny glasses. And if you're on the package and they know you're going to be drinking a lot, they, they put like three drinks in one and they big bring you this giant drink. So, um, so it's really nice. 
So at the the place that we were at, um, right when you arrive, you're greeted with like a margarita. They um, take you to your room and there's a, uh, you know, mini bar in the room with candy bars and chips and nuts and drinks, beer, water, um, chocolate milk, you know, kids. Well, not really kids drink. This particular place didn't allow kids. It was adults only. So that was an extra special bonus <laughs> to have no kids running around, no babies crying at any point. Um, but yeah, they have like juice and, um, you know, like the Mike's hard lemonade, like all these kind of drinks all, and, and then just sodas, Sprite, Coke, whatever in the mini bar and they stock it every day. So you, you could have whatever you want. You're, you're not, you know, worrying about paying $15 for a mini can of Pringles. And, um, so, you know, you have your snacks and then they, when they come and clean the room, they just refill it with, you know, more. So that was awesome. Um, if you are traveling in a country that you don't normally have to um, tip in. So, you know, a lot of countries don't do gratuities the way we do here in America, where pretty much anytime you go to a restaurant, you're expected to leave, you know, 15 to 20% tip. And, um, and I think during COVID, we got into the habit, or at least I personally did get into the habit of leaving large tips for like every service provider, um, which sometimes I'll be honest, is a little bit annoying. Um, like I go to pick up, you know, I order a bagel and they hand me a bagel. And then when I'm paying, they're asking me about a 10% tip, you know, it's like, or 20% tip. It's like, really, you just, I mean, isn't this sort of just your job? But anyways, um, I tend to, to give uh, pretty good tips in general. And so know in advance what the um, cultural, what's culturally appropriate for tipping and, um, and bring small bills to cover that because we, <laughs> there were four of us on this trip and we realized pretty quickly that we all had twenties and, um, we didn't have a lot of small bills. And so even just, you know, wanting to give $5 to the person who brought us one drink or, um, you know, whatever, something like that, we, we, we just had big bills. So, um, so learn what the amount is that um, is appropriate for tipping and then bring the right number of, you know, bills to support that. Um, one of the tricks that I learned it. So basically what we did at this resort, it's beautiful. It's a, you know, kind of a higher end um, resort. So we didn't leave the resort the entire time. I'll be honest. I was a little bit nervous about traveling to Mexico. You know, there's all these travel advisories and warnings and stuff. So we used the hotel shuttle, um, which we did have to pay for. I, I believe that was a separate cost. Um, we used a hotel shuttle from the airport to the resort. And that was like a 35 minute drive. And then once we were there, um, we didn't leave until we took the shuttle back to the airport four days later. So it was you know, for us, that's what we were doing. We weren't there for like an adventure trip. We literally would go to the the breakfast restaurant in the morning and then we would go to the pool and then we would go get a smoothie and they have like a whole little coffee shop that'll do whatever espresso drinks. They had like donuts and muffins and cookies and that kind of thing. So all of that's included. That's where, you know, a $5 tip would, would be appropriate. Um, but not required at all. 
and um and then we would go back to the pool and then we would go to get lunch and they had several different restaurants some of the like kind of nicer restaurants did require a reservation so fortunately my friend who was planning she did all of the um she made all the reservations in advance. So every night we had a dinner reservation. Um, but if you don't do that, or if you just kind of want to play it by ear a little bit more, they do have more of the casual dining restaurants that you can just pop into anytime you want. So there was like always a taco bar pretty much open kind of all day. Um, so that was really nice. And then, um, like a buffet kind of restaurant. And then we went to the hibachi. They had like a hibachi sushi kind of place that we went to two nights. And then they, there was um like a nicer Italian place that um, we went to one of the nights. So all of those included there. I think there was another restaurant that was maybe French cuisine that um, you had to pay extra for. So that one was like higher end and a little bit, um, actually it was kind of expensive. I want to say it was like $140 per person extra. So it was a, a pretty high end meal if you, if you went there, but we decided not to do that. And we were very happy with the food in all of the restaurants. Um, and so, yeah, we, you know, we just hung out and what we would do when we got to the pool in the morning is give our waiter, cause we pretty much had the same, you know, they all, the waiters or the staff, um, the wait staff all have areas that they're working. Right. So our person would be our person for pretty much the whole day or most of the day. So we'd give them like $20 in the morning and that would, you know, be sort of our tip for the next many hours to keep bringing us drinks and keep checking on us. And, and then when we were ready for fries or tacos or burgers or whatever, we could just order that and he would bring it to us. And, um, so we really never had to leave and we just hung out the whole time. It was wonderful. Um, and, and the best thing that I liked is that you don't feel nickel and dimed. You know, when you go to those places that, you know, every single thing you have to pay for, like, um, oh, sure. You want to, you, you forgot your toothbrush. Sure. That's $5. And, you know, like, it's nice to just have access to everything without feeling like you have to pay for every single thing. Um, so that was really kind of the best part. Now the, the resort that we were at was a spa did have a really nice spa and those services were extra, uh, which we all expected and, you know, makes sense. Um, so, you know, we did have to pay for massages and facials. And, you know, if you were to get like a mani-pedi or something like that, that's included. But they um, they had actually staff that were kind of interactive and playing games and doing fun things throughout the day, too. So, um, you know, somebody would walk by and be like, hey, we're doing a wine tasting in half an hour if you guys are interested. Or we're going to be playing beach volleyball. Are you guys up for a quick game of beach volleyball? Or... Um, are any of you guys interested in doing yoga right now? Or they have, you know, different activities throughout the day. I think they did like water aerobics and they, every morning they would take a group, whoever was interested, um, on a walk along the beach and to, um, I don't know where they went actually, if they went to town, like to the little shopping area, or if they just walked up and down the beach, um, I slept in, so I didn't do that, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, it, you know, it was really nice. You didn't feel like you had to 
keep paying for things or asking like, well, how much is this excursion? How much does that cost? You know, whatever. And then, you know, at the end of the trip, you have no idea what you've spent because it just like kept going and going and going. This one, we knew how much we were paying going in. Um, we obviously did um, have some additional um, fees for like the spa treatments and um, the travel, the transportation. But for the most part, um, the estimate that I was thinking in my head was only like a hundred or two hundred dollars more than what we went in. You know, what I from what I started with as you know what I thought the trip was going to cost versus what it actually cost when we kind of added everything up at the end. It was really very similar. It was not, uh, we didn't spend a lot of extra money. So that was a really nice. It was a great trip, a beautiful location. Um, so if you have not done all inclusive, definitely um, consider that. And if you take, um, if you like to cruise and you haven't been doing the drink packages, you know, maybe that's worth looking into. If you're not a heavy alcohol drinker, um, I think a lot of the cruise lines do have a, like a soda only kind of a package. Um, but, you know, then you, you kind of know what you're spending. Um, and then one of the other things that I was thinking, um, this particular resort, but all of these all-inclusive places, there was a wedding that happened while we were there. So the first day, when we arrived, a bunch of the wedding party was also arriving. And then over the next few days, you could see them doing their various, um, like the rehearsal dinners and and then the actual wedding happened. And the staff was really good about kind of keeping the rest of us, the guests, the not the non-wedding related guests sort of out of the space for a little while while they had their ceremony um, overlooking the beach. It was a beautiful location. But that's the perfect way to do a, a destination wedding if you're planning something like that, because everybody pays for their their own meals and drinks because it's all included in their room price. Um, I want to say the room here was about twenty five hundred for two people, um, so it's pricey, um, and that was for four nights. So maybe it's like. Um, I don't know, whatever that works out to be 600 a night or something. But um, so, you know, it is a, a little pricey, but um, as the bride and groom, if you tell everybody to book their own rooms and then all of their meals and all of their drinks are included, um, I'm sure they had to pay um, extra for like some of the venue stuff, like to reserve spaces, reserve um, you know, a restaurant or whatever they, I'm sure that there were extra expenses that the bride and groom had to pay, but not the, the kind of expenses that um, I would imagine usually you have to pay if you were to do a wedding today with 50 people or something. Now, if you were having a huge wedding, maybe that doesn't make a lot of sense because with that many people, um, you know, not everybody's going to be able to afford to attend something like that. But if you're planning a small destination wedding where you're going to invite everybody and you know that only 25 or 50 people are actually going to be able to join you, um, this is definitely uh, the kind of place to uh, consider for that trip. So I um, I loved it and I had so much fun and I, I highly recommend doing um vacationing that way if you have the opportunity. Okay, so we are going to take a quick break now. Um, you can go grab a snack, check your stocks, do what you need to do. And when we get back, I'm going to share a story about um, when my son, who was about five, 
decided he didn't want to go to school anymore and how we handled that. Um, just a silly story. Okay, we'll talk to you in a few. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Musings of a Superdoer with your host, Christina Kendall. Have a question for Christina or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Hey there. Um, if you're just joining us, I'm Chris Kendall, host of Musings of a Superdoer. Um, before the break, we were talking about all-inclusive resorts and some of my um, recent experiences with one. And uh, now I'm going to share a silly story about when my son was little and didn't want to go to school. So um, I have two boys. The younger one um, was very stubborn. The older one, I could bribe, I could, you know, distract him, I could, you know, move him away from whatever he wanted pretty quickly. The younger one, man, once he decided on something, he just would not let it go, whether it was like something he wanted, something he didn't want, whatever it was. So we, he went to a home daycare from the time he was like, maybe five or six months old until he was about five, and it was time for him to go to like kindergarten. And so we put him in this kindergarten um, that my older son had gone to. We knew the teachers. It was a great program, great school. We, you know, were very comfortable there. He loved it. Everything was great. He had probably been going for a couple months. And then all of a sudden, he just decided he didn't want to go anymore. Like, you know, dropping him off in the morning would be this huge tantrum and, and it just got progressively worse over a couple days. Like he, and and it's not like anything was going on there. Once he was there, he was fine. He played. They had no problems with him after he got over that initial, like, I'm not going. But, um, but like, you know, he, I would, you know, carry him into the classroom and sort of hand him over to the teachers and he'd be like flailing and you know, lashing out and waving his hands and just making this whole big scene. And, and, and he, again, he was really just being stubborn. Um, And so, you know, we, this got progressively worse. And um, one day I, like, I couldn't let, like, he wouldn't let go. He, I think he like tore the necklace off the teacher and it broke. And it was this whole thing. I'm like, oh my God, I, you know, I didn't really know what to do, but I couldn't, not do anything right so it's one of those things so i'm like okay fine and, and i'm um first of all i should preface this by saying this was 15 years ago <laughs> different time back then this is not something that would fly today i i wouldn't do it today based on just the way things have changed in the past you know 10 years or whatever but um at the time it worked and everything was fine. But um, yeah, I was a little bit of a, well, and still we're, we're very strict parents. Like our we're very casual and we allow 
them to do almost anything, but for the things that they aren't allowed to do, they are not allowed to do, period. Like there's very strict rules for the things that we actually care about. A lot of things we don't care about. The things that, that we do care about um, and and being respectful is one of those things that's like non-negotiable. There is zero tolerance for, you know, that kind of behavior with a teacher or at a school or anything like that. So I was just like livid, freaked out. This is not going to fly. So I said, fine, you don't want to go to school anymore. Get in the car. You're going to go to the police department because when you are a kid, you have to go to school. And if you don't want to go to school, then you go to jail. And he said, fine. And I said, fine, get in the car. So I drove him home. Granted, on the drive home, he's like trying to get out of seat, car seat. He's trying to open the door to the car. I had to like do the child locks on the doors to like keep him in the car. Like just this crazy, wild tantrum. So we get home and I take him inside and he thinks he's home free. Like, awesome. I'm I'm good. You know, I'm I'm home for the day. And I said, go pack your bags because you got to go to jail now. So um, he doesn't believe me. (laughs) And my husband who was home, he's like, what the hell's going on here? I'm like, just go with me here. So I called the um, non-emergency number for our local police department. And I live in a a small town, you know, in the suburbs around a lot of other towns. So my like police department is pretty small. So I called the non-emergency number and this was say like a Tuesday morning or something, you know, so they weren't like super busy. So I called and I'm like, Hey, um, is there a police officer that is not very busy at the moment who would mind, who wouldn't mind coming by my house and just kind of scaring my kid who doesn't want to go to school. And she's like, um, how old is your son? Like that for the high school? And I'm like, no, he's five (laughs) and he doesn't want to go to school. And I told him he has to go to jail if he doesn't go to school. And she's like, you know, she got all indignant. Like, we are not here to scare children. And I'm like, okay, no, I get that. I get that. I'm just, you know, if they're not busy and if somebody's around, maybe they could just swing by, you know, like I was just wondering if that was possible. And she's like, what's your address? <laughs> I'm like, okay, so um, you're going to send somebody, but you're not going to actually take him. Right. And and then I'm starting to get nervous. Like, oh, sure. Am I going to like lose my kid here? Because I'm, I've got this crazy idea. She's like, just what's your address? I'll see. I'll see if somebody's around. I'm like, okay. So I give them the address and I tell my son like, Hey, go, you know, make sure you have a backpack. They're coming. They're on their way. And he's looking at me like, you know, he's still not really sure, but he saw me on the phone and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't really know what to think. So I, um, I wait and I kind of fill my husband in on what I'm doing here. And, um, a police cruiser pulls up in front of the house and parks and I'm like, oh, you know, Ryder, they're here, you know, get your stuff They're They're picking you up. And so he like looks out the window and sees that there's actually a cop car there. And these two guys get out, these two officers, and he's like, you know, eyes go wide. And he's like, oh, my God. So he like um, runs to me and like, you know, I'll go to school. I'll go to school. I'm like, I don't, you know, they're here. So I open the door and these two guys, they're standing there and they don't even literally they do not say a word. Like I opened the door because I'd been kind of watching 
before they even knocked. So I opened the door. I'm like, oh, hey, thank you so much for coming. We really, you know, he said he's he doesn't want to go to school anymore. So I told him he's got to go to jail. And they're looking at me and he's like, I'll go to school. I'll go to school. My son says this. And I'm like, are you sure you're ready to go to school now? And he's like, yeah, I'll go to school. I'll go to school. I'm like, oh, okay. So I turned to the officers. I'm like, well, I guess he's going to go. So we're all set now, but thank you so much for coming. And, and I go and I um, put him in the car seat and I have my son or my husband, you know, get in the car with him and and they drive away. And these officers literally still haven't said anything. They're looking at me like, uh, what just happened? So I'm like, you know, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I know you guys are busy and, you know, this, this really helped a lot. Um, and so they're like, uh, okay, so that's it. You just, that was what you needed us for. I'm like, yes, you know, that's it. You're good. You can leave now. Um, and so they drove away and he went to school and we never had a problem with him after that. You know, he was perfectly content to go when he needed to go. He loved being there. He had a great time and he's, a, you know, a really good student still. So, you know, it wasn't anything about the school or not wanting to be there. He was just testing that limit and showing that he had control and, I showed him that he didn't, and that worked out for us. Now, again, today, that would probably not work out the same way. Number one, police officers are probably much busier than they were, and they wouldn't have time for that. Um, secondly, that's probably some sort of like a CPS issue or something. <laughs> I don't even know what it would be, but it's probably not a good idea to use your local police department for um those kind of uh, scared straight things, but you know, it worked. And if you do have access to somebody, maybe a friend who's a police officer who could stop by and scare your kids sometimes, you know, I think that is perfectly reasonable. A lot of times these kids, they don't actually have um, a real reason for, for whatever they've dug their heels in about. I know me personally, I was pretty stubborn for a lot of things. And I think back, like there was zero reason that I absolutely refused to do this thing or that thing. I just decided one day I wasn't going to do it. And then in my head, I was never, ever going to do it no matter what. And and so it just, it, it's unreasonable. But anyways, so that gives you a glimpse into my parenting style <laughs> for better or for worse. Um, it, I'm happy to say he's a senior in high school now. He has survived that. He's never misses a day. He really hates to miss a day of school. He has uh 4.0, you know, excellent grades and um, you know, no no issues. He's generally a people pleaser, so we don't have any issues with teachers or anything like that. So, it's all good, but um yeah, just sort of a funny um a funny way that we handled that. Okay, so the next thing I want to talk about is um, pet injuries and pet insurance. Now, this is something that, so we've always had pets growing up. We always had pets, but they were like always outdoor dogs that I didn't really like play with. They they were like part of our family, part of the household, but they weren't like the kind of pets that I have today. So once I became an adult and I like went and bought a puppy from a breeder, then she was like our whole world. She was our baby. We, um, you know, our whole schedule revolved around her. I was going to, you know, quit my job so that I could be a full-time puppy mom. Like it was this whole crazy thing. Um, so 
we are now those kind of, of pet owners, right? But even even at that level, we never had pet insurance because I think pet insurance was just sort of making its, um, you know, sort of becoming a thing maybe when we started getting pets like 20 years ago. And um, every time I've looked into it, it's super expensive. It's like, you know, a hundred or more dollars a month. And then you think like, okay, well, that's $1,200 a year. Am I actually going to spend $1,200 a year? I mean, most years you probably don't if you're just getting a couple shots and, you know, maybe a set of antibiotics or just a regular exam, that's maybe like four or $500 total. So, you know, in most cases you don't spend that much money, but, you know, like all insurance is for those unexpected situations, those extenuating circumstances that you really wish you had it. And I am a little bit superstitious in the fact that I think that when you have insurance, you never need it, right? Like I get um, I get insurance on a lot of things because I feel like once I'm paying for it, then I'm never going to have a problem and I'm never going to need it. So uh, obviously that's not always true, but um, I kind of felt like if I bought pet insurance, then I'd have like the the healthiest pet in the world and I would never ever use it. It would just be a big waste of money. Now saying that out loud, I feel like, okay, it was probably worth 1200 a year to have the healthiest pet in the world. So I should have just been doing it all along, but I didn't, I never did. Um, and so during COVID, back in um, spring of 2020, early in COVID, when everyone was getting a pet because everyone was stuck at home, we did too. We had been planning on getting another dog. Um, and so that was the, you know, seemed like the right time we were going to be home for a while. We could really train it and spend the time um, with with a new puppy. So we, um, we got a new puppy. Um, uh, Sage, she's a chocolate lab, super hyper, super cute. And, um, you know, we are very diligent and, and very good pet owners in that we got all of her shots and she's been to all of her appointments and all that kind of stuff. And she's been super healthy. So we haven't really had any issues, but, um, <laughs> about maybe it's been two months now, a couple months. Um, in the course of like 10 days, she had two emergency room visits that probably added up to about $8,000. So um, now we have pet insurance. <laughs> now now I'm a believer. But uh, basically the first one, um, I don't even, gosh, I don't even remember what the first one was. She wasn't feeling good or something for whatever reason. Um, we thought that there was an issue. I think there wasn't really anything. It was no big deal. Um, but because we were concerned, oh, she wasn't eating. She, she wasn't eating like, she, and she's into her food. They eat twice a day. And so all of a sudden she just wouldn't touch her food. And we actually never really figured out what it was that, you know, why she stopped eating. But like, if we would hand feed it to her, she would eat out of our hand and she just eats like dry kibble and she doesn't eat any people food. So, um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but she was fine. And after a couple of days she started eating again. And, um, I think maybe we switched her food, like maybe the, the bag that we had was a bad batch or something like that. So we just got rid of that food. We gave her our other dog's food, the other dogs on like an 
more of an elderly dog diety kind of food. So we gave her that and she was fine with it. So in the end, it was no big deal. But just a couple days later, I was getting my haircut. I'm driving home and I get a text saying that Sage got into my inhaler. I have an albuterol rescue inhaler and she bit into it and she was high off of this albuterol. And I'm like, um, albuterol is very toxic and poisonous. So if she is, you got, we need to get her to the vet. And so she was, I guess, like hyper, like crazy. And then her heart was speeding, it was, you know, racing. So we took her to the emergency vet again. Um, and they had to um, put her on an, on oxygen and monitor her. And I think they had to give her, um, fluids like i don't know saline or whatever but they had to give her fluids because she was dehydrated and there were a few times when her heart like got a little bit too fast that they had to give her something to sort of slow it down so it was just like a 48 hour process and it was like a five thousand dollar process right for this this whole thing um because we didn't know how much she had i had the the inhaler and there's like a little metal canister that sticks out of it. It was punctured because she had gotten it with her teeth. Right. So we didn't know if a lot got into her mouth or just a tiny bit, but it was enough that she was having some kind of reaction. So the, every time I talk to anybody at the vet's office, they're like, well, do you have pet insurance? You have pet insurance. And I'm like, no, we don't, you know, so just whatever it is, we'll, we'll pay. Um, and so after that, I looked into this pet insurance and they would have covered 90% of that bill. So that $6,000 would have been 90% covered um, by the insurance company or at least reimbursed, right? And so, you know, if you add up the 1200 that I had, that I would have spent in premiums, plus you know, my portion, it would have been much cheaper had we had the pet insurance. So after that, and because she's now only, um, she's going to be three soon. So she's still young enough and still wild enough and playful enough that she's going to probably get into some predicaments <laughs> over the next, you know, many years. Um, I went ahead and I bought the pet insurance. Now there's a couple different, um, companies that are kind of the big companies. So I would shop around. Um, at my my job, we have um, like, you know, these like benefits for employees that where the, you get like discounts on certain, certain companies will give you a discount. So there's a company called Spot, S-P-O-T. They offer discounted pet insurance to, and I think it's like 10 or 20% off the premium for employees. So that was one I looked at. I think there's one called True Panion. True Panion. That's the one that the vet recommended. She said she gets zero kickback. She has to pay full price for her pets. Um, so there was no reason, you know, there was no like benefit, but she's used them and she's had no problems with them. So that was one that she recommended. And then um, I've, I had been watching, this was right around the beginning of the year, you know, January 1st kind of thing. Um, and there was a commercial that had been on the TV and I want to say it was like colonial pen or I don't know, one of these like traditional insurance companies offered a pet insurance program. So I, I looked at it, those three. Now, um, the lowest cost that I could find was maybe 60 ish dollars a month. 
and that didn't cover as much. It was really kind of a minimal um, coverage, you know. Um, and then the most expensive of them was about three hundred a month. And that covered pretty much everything. I think it was 90%, plus it also included some other things, but those other things we didn't really need. So in the end, I ended up going with Spot um, because I got the discount from work. And with that discount, it and with you know what they cover, um, I think my the premium was about a hundred dollars a month, plus I added this extra thing that was $25 a month. And it includes um, like some additional prescriptions or something, but it includes um, spay or neuter and um, like every other year teeth cleaning or some extra thing that you don't have to do very often, but you do do on a somewhat periodic basis. And Sage isn't fixed yet. So we are going to have to pay to have her spayed this year. And so that worked out because I, I looked into the cost of the spaying and I want to say it's like $300, something like that around here. So um, between, you know, what I expect our normal visits will be, if there is some sort of other emergency or um, quick quick thing that we have to take her in for that we aren't expecting. And with the spaying, um, we will have, um, we'll have most of that bill covered. And so, you know, I wish I had had this in place three, three, four, five months ago, and it could have covered more of our emergency situations. Um, but hindsight's 2020. And so it's in place now. And I guess best case scenario is I pay the premium and we never use it because she stays perfectly healthy and injury free for the next 10 years. But, um, you know, who, who knows what will actually happen. So as, as a previous non-believer in pet insurance, I think it's worth um, checking out and taking a look at if you haven't. And if you have a pet that um, is young enough. Now, if you have a much older pet, you have two options, right? We have an older dog as well. And with that dog, either we will, um, like if, if we found out, for example, she had cancer, we would either put her down or we would pay for all the cancer treatments and, and, you know, prolong her life by another year or two. So, you know, what, what you're likely going to do if that happens. Right. And so if what you think you might need to do would be to pay for prolonging the life for another year or two or three, you know, however long, then it's probably worth getting pet insurance. Um, if that's not what you would likely do, um, I think with ours, we would probably not choose to prolong for one extra year or maybe two extra years with a, a lower quality of life. Um, so we don't have pet insurance on that dog. As, as things come up for her, we will take care of them. And if there is a very, very big thing that comes up from her, for her, then we will decide what to do at that point. Um, but I'm a big believer in not selfishly keeping animals or even people alive when they have a very low quality of life. So I, uh, that's a whole different, uh, we'll talk about that on a future episode, but um, 
Yeah. So, so that's my thoughts on pet injuries and insurance. Okay. Uh, we'll take one more quick break and then we will be back to wrap up with a few other things that I'm working on. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. If you're looking for a break from everyday life and want to keep yourself occupied with a fun and quirky show, tune into Musings of a Super Doer with Christina Kendall. Christina and her guests are sure to entertain you with their topics on investing, parenting, working, writing, reading, loving, giving, and all the other things that keep them busy. Musings of a Super Doer, Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Musings of a Superdoer with your host, Christina Kendall. Have a question for Christina or her guests? Join us on the show at 866-472-5788. That's 866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Hey there, and we're back. Uh, For those of you just joining, you missed some fascinating conversations about all-inclusive travel and toddler tantrums and pet injuries and insurance. Um, So now I'm just going to share a few musings about some of the other things that I'm doing. Um, As you know, it's always a lot of stuff. So, well, uh, you know, just kind of get started on um, this week. It's been a busy week. Okay, a couple days ago, like literally three days ago, I want to say it was Tuesday or Wednesday, I'm watching the news and I hear about some situation and I'm going to be very um, cryptic in this discussion right now because um, it's still early days, but I heard something that happened on the news that was, you know, a very upsetting thing. And so, you know, I just kind of thought about it for a minute, like, how could we stop that thing from happening in the future? And like, I just got this idea, you know, like, this makes so much sense. Has anybody thought of this before? I looked it up. I can't find anything that somebody has, you know, put into place. So I decided I am going to invent this thing. Now, I should say, this is not the first time I have said I am going to invent this thing because I have done it many times. And um, I I have invented sort of a few things. Um, usually I come up with an idea and I hope other people will do stuff with it because I'm not like a, a manufacturer type of person. However, this thing I'm pretty into and I think that I can actually make it happen. So I started writing a patent. Um, totally random, don't know anything about the patent process, but I looked up some information. I I looked up some patents that um, are 
written in a way similar to what I need done. Those are for products that do a different thing, but they're close enough that I can use them as a guideline. So I'm basically, you know, starting with those and just making all the changes you know, to, to make it work for me. So sort of as a template. Um, right now I'm at the point where I'm trying to decide if I should just submit. I mean, literally this was three days ago, right? Okay. I found somebody on Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R.com that I used to draw this thing for me. So I came up with some stock graphics that I found um, on deposit photos, a couple things that I found on Google. I just put together like, uh, you know, this sort of hodgepodge of images. I sent it to this designer and said, can you make me a patent drawing that's sort of like this, but make these other changes? And I just sort of, you know, Frankenstein something together. <clears throat> he came back 24 hours later. It was $60. I got two images. Gorgeous. Perfect. Exactly what I asked for. Um and um, so I, I think I'm ready to like submit this patent. So there's two ways to go. You can um, file for a provisional patent, which is what I should do. That is like, um, I guess from what I understand, it's basically saying like, hey, I've got this idea and I want to hold my place for this idea. So I'm putting it out there. I'm, I'm claiming it as mine, but I don't have everything hashed out yet. I still need some time to work out the details. And it sounds like, I think you get about a year, about 12 months um, to figure out the details. And then if you need an extension, you can get an extension. Okay. So that's the, probably the right thing to do. And hopefully that is what I do because I think it is the right thing to do. But the other option is just to submit it as like the full patent, as if I knew what I was doing and as if I had a patent attorney working on this for the past six months and it was like perfect and ready to go. And I might do that too. You know, maybe I'll just put it out there and see what they say. I think worst case is they reject it, right? Worst case is they come back and say, and eh, you know, you didn't really give us enough information about this or that, or it's too close to this other thing or whatever, because I mean, I haven't done a ton of searches. I'm Maybe this thing does already exist. I don't know. But from the brief searches that I've done in the past three days, I haven't seen anything like it. Um, so... You know, I kind of, I'm at this, like, which which way do I go? Should I just do the right slow path and see if, you know, just kind of protect it and then talk to some engineer friends and talk to people who know more and then, you know, really get it dialed in perfectly? Or do I just go for it and see what happens? And best case scenario, they just approve it and then I'm good. I can take it to Shark Tank and... And, you know, me and Mr. Wonderful can work out the details together. I don't know. Um, but that's, yeah, I'm, I'm working on that. So stay tuned. Once I have one of those two things filed, either the provisional or the full-blown patent, um, I will be able to talk about it a little more and give you some detail. I think what I probably need to do first, like once that's done, I think I need to um, have some kind of a video created and then put out a Kickstarter, maybe offer it as a Kickstarter um, to give me some money to have it built, right? To, to raise some funds to actually take it to manufacturing. Um, but, but we'll see. I'm not there yet. At first, I've got to figure out this whole patent thing. So uh, stay tuned. Okay. One of the other things I have been doing um, this week and last week is applying for grants. 
So I've told you all about my nonprofit, uh, Micro Entrepreneur Space. Well, I'm getting some traction with that. I've gotten um, several people who um, want information about receiving a grant, but also um, getting uh, some of the curriculum that I'm uh, working on to. Um, so what I'd like to do is create, I'm trying to create some like workshops and seminars that can be presented at like middle schools and high schools throughout the country, right? Um so I've been putting this together. I've gotten some interest from people that want access to that. And then I actually spoke last week at the high school, um, my son's high school here in town, um, because it was, it or it is Women's Entrepreneur Month. Or no, 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 no. Women's Empowerment Month, which is also known as um, women, what is something about history, right? Um Women in History Month? I don't know. Some sort of women's month uh, is this month, I guess. I can't even remember. But I think we're calling it Women's Empowerment Month, at least at the high school. So the one of the the leadership teachers invited me to come speak. Um, and and I talked about entrepreneurship and these this organization. But I need money, right? So I can't help kids help the people that I'm trying to help without funding. So I've been applying for these grants. Um now, I know from my past experience in corporate philanthropy that there is a lot of money out there and there are companies that that want to give it away. I mean, they're just like looking for places to give it because not only is it a big tax advantage to them, but it's, you know, something that they can brag about. It makes them look, you know, like good people, right? So there's money out there. Um, and I've been trying to find some of it. Um so far, it's been a pretty okay process. Um, there's a couple like websites that list, you know, tons of grants. And um, so I've been kind of working my way through that. Some of them were really easy to uh, fill out the application. Some of them were a little bit more difficult. And one of them, I've already gotten my rejection letter back. So <laughs> whatever I did wasn't good enough. Um, but I can understand why. Uh, nonprofits employ grant writers because there's a, there's a lot that goes into that whole process. Um, so that's been fun. Um, and then separately, I am also starting to think about grants just for my business. So not nonprofit, um, but for some of the things that I want to do on the business side, um, I might try to apply for some small business grants with. So we'll see. Those are all just um, a little bit up in the air. Um, and, you know, we'll see what happens there. Um, okay. And then the other thing I've been working on, um, which sort of applies to both of those first things, is I am um, become, I'm joining a new coaching certification program with a company called Hello7. I think I talked about Hello7 maybe a few episodes back um, when I mentioned Rachel Rogers and this book that she wrote called We Should All Be Millionaires. Amazing book. I recommend all women read this book. Um, uh, and after I read it, I was talking to some friends and I said, if she had a program, you know, a mastermind or a, a club, she's got this thing called the club, 
uh, but it only opens up a few times a year. But I said, if if she's got um, openings, I'm going to join because I don't care what it costs. I need to be a part of this. And it's closed. It was closed. So I couldn't join. But within a few days, she opened up this brand new coaching program. So um, I'm like, well, this is it. This is you know what I need to be doing. So I'm signed up for that. And we just had our first, you know, kind of meet and greet yesterday, but I'll be um, working on that over the coming months. And I think it's like officially over, you know, finished, completed around December. Um, So I've got, you know, for the next seven, eight months, I'm going to be working on becoming um, or yeah, getting certified um, in her, the Hello7 uh, money coaching business coaching and like mindset coaching program. So I'm super excited about that. Um, I know that it's going to be a challenge. Um, as you all know, I've got a lot of things going on as a super doer. There's never a shortage of stuff happening in my life. Um, but this is one of the things that I think is going to be, um, kind of, next level for me and and the next thing that I want to do. And it's going to get me to, I have some very specific goals for this year. And I think that this is what's going to help me achieve some of those goals. So I'm super excited about that. Um, but I'm still doing my publishing coaching. I'm still doing, um, all of the, the stuff that with my current clients. So none of that will change. It's just adding, um, another level of coaching to, um, to my repertoire. Okay. So friends, um, I think that pretty much takes us to the end. Uh, we are out of time for today, but I'm super glad that you've been able to hang out with me. Um, I hope that some of this stuff that I've shared has been at least entertaining, if not, um, horrifying, you know, either way, I, I respect that. Um, my way is not always the best or even a good way, <laughs> but it's the way I've done things. And, you know, um, so until next time, I hope that I've inspired you to, uh, be a super doer too. We've got a really cool guest um, speaker next week. So um, I'm excited to, to have that conversation with all of you. So make sure you come back. Um, and for now, goodbye from your host and resident super doer, Chris Kendall. Now go do something. Thanks for tuning into Musings of a Super Doer with Christina Kendall. We hope you've enjoyed today's show and look forward to having you back next week. Until then, have a beautiful week.